are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. You're with Patricia Trena. You know I cover your New York Giants with a variety of places. Follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena. Drop me a, a question for our weekly mailbag by tagging them Ask P Train. Uh, if you want to run your your mock drafts by me whatever you want to talk about giants football related i'm there i'm open uh to discussion and i look forward to hearing from you and for today's show i have uh the privilege of having a special guest by the name of mike clay he is an espn fantasy football analyst and nfl writer and uh mike has a has a very interesting uh feature that he puts out on twitter probably does it for ESPN and whatnot. And uh, we're hoping to pick his brain a little bit about it today. So Mike, first, welcome to the program. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, you know, it's always fun to talk football, even in the off season, right? Quiet times like now, uh, before the, the NFL draft buildup. So uh, yeah, always working, always something to do and uh, always happy to talk some Giants. Awesome. Awesome. So for those who don't follow Mike on Twitter, and if you're not following him, folks, please give him a follow. He's really fantastic. You can find him at Mike Clay NFL. Uh, he puts out what's called Clay's Clay projections. And what he does is for fantasy football purposes, he tries to project the production of the 2000, you know, the upcoming season for the players on every team. And he does, you know, again, for all 32 teams. And Mike, I believe you have what half of the teams out already. Uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're about halfway. So I'll keep, I'll keep dropping them this week. Last week, we went through all the win totals on the daily wager and ESPN news and, and kind of broke that down because it's a, the sports book lines came out. So now I'm kind of dropping the player projections this week. So, uh, yeah, always a fun process. Okay. So anyway, that's, uh, what I thought we could start with because, you know, I get a lot of questions from, from, uh, listeners. They want to know how many yards will this guy have, you know, how many receptions, how many sacks and everything like that. And Mike, if we could just start off by just kind of getting an overview as to how you come about putting these, these projections together. Yeah. How long do you have? For that it's gonna take, uh, take as long as you need <laughs> yeah that's a that's a long complicated process um there's there's kind of stages to it um you know the first stage was probably many years ago when i first uh, started to build the projection model uh, going back almost a decade now and i just can continue to improve it i uh, learn from league trends every year i spend a, a lot of time studying league trends whether it's you know pace of play plays per game uh pass rates touchdown scoring which you know, it's kind of been bizarre the past two seasons. That's an important one. I mean, you saw in 2017, there were a lot of injuries and scoring really plummeted in the NFL. And then uh, in 2018, we set all kinds of offensive records across the league. And and really, if you just kind of ignore 2017, then we're, we're right on on target. You know, the, the trajectory of touchdowns in the league has been uh, pretty linear over the past decade aside of that 2017 season. So uh, not totally unexpected for sure. Uh, but nonetheless, it's, it's those kind of things. You know, you look at the league level, then you look at the team level. You you account for tendencies of new coaches and coordinators, which is big because you see a, a massive turnover every year in the NFL in those departments. And then, uh, you know, on the team level, you get into the the player level, of course. You look at, uh, 
you know, rate stats and, uh, you know, obviously how long the player's been in the league is important. How large is the sample? Is the player going to make a second year jump? You know, you could study trends from the past decade or so in the NFL uh, and, and the modern NFL to try and figure out uh, which, which, you know, who makes sense. And, and you know, you add all that together with following movement. The, the, we have the draft coming up. Obviously, we just had free agency. How does that impact target shares and carry shares? And, you know, who's going to get the snaps of quarterback? How good are, are each team's offensive line? I, you know, you have to study the subjective side and you have to use analytics, too, to, to make the best decisions, I think. So, um, you know, at some point you can hit refresh, total it all up, and, and you're left with these, uh, I like to think, pretty uh, projection sheets. I mean, I'm, I'm by no means a graphics designer, so this is about the best I could possibly do. But I think uh, I think it's pretty nice and organized here for, for everybody. Now, I'm going to refer folks to Twitter to see, you know, what we're talking about. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask you about your projections for the Giants. Now, you know, we all know that Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer on this team, and he accounted for quite a bit of production. So in calculating how how the Giants are going to absorb that production and distribute it over the personnel that they had. How how tricky was that for you? And, and, and just if you could give the folks an overview of how what you came up with on how the Giants are going to make up for that production. Yeah, I mean, if you look back at uh, target shares from the, we'll just say the old Al Beckham era, you know, you find that he falls in that kind of like 28 to 30 percent range in terms of the the share of the targets that go his direction. If you look back at newcomer Golden Tate over the pat, you know, over that same span, essentially, you're going to see something. It's not the same here. You know, he didn't get up to 30 percent, but he was generally in that, you know, 19 to 23 percent range. You know, sometimes a little higher, sometimes a little lower. Uh, so that's a big chunk of that. Right. I mean, I, I have him at a 20 percent share in this offense. He's a little older now, of course. It's a new offense. He we saw his playing time drop off with Philadelphia down the stretch last season. So. You know, that's a big chunk of it right there at 20 percent. That's almost, you know, two or roughly two thirds of what Beckham was seeing. And then you figure a slight uptick for Sterling Shepard, which, again, is is about right. Uh, you know, when when Beckham is out of the lineup, you see a little bit in mixed in for Cody Latimer and, and Corey Coleman. We'll see if they add a third receiver uh, in the draft. I, I fully expect them to do that. And then an uptick for uh, for Evan Ingram, of course. And, and again, we saw that over the final four weeks last season when he saw no less than an 18 percent share of the target. So uh, I think he'll, I think Tate Shepard and Ingram will combine to see about 60% of the targets. And then you could throw Barkley in there and make it 80, 85%, you know, cause he was targeted on uh, 25% of Eli's throws last year too. So uh, it's, I don't think it's really hard. They, they have enough guys to soak up the targets. It's just, they don't really have downfield threats right now. And again, I think that's something they need to address in the draft. And, you know, speaking of not having the downfield targets, that's obviously going to affect Eli Manning's production. So I'm just looking at the numbers you have for him. You have him coming in just slightly under 4,000 yards for 2019. You have 20 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 38 sacks. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, with the sacks, you know, the Gi- I know the Giants offensive line isn't yet finished. It's almost finished, but um, that's that's about what is that that's pretty close not close to what he had last year i think that's a little less than what he had last year but still a high amount yeah it's a it's a pretty good downtick uh i'm relatively conservative with sack rates uh for eli i'm going to look back at his probably his last three seasons to see where he's fallen um obviously offensive lines taken under some to uh, some consideration he still have a problem there at right tackle with wheeler but uh that o-line is 
uh, certainly improved. But he was sacked 47 times last season. You know, so if I'm knocking off about 10 from that number, uh, I think that's more than fair. Um, but yeah, as for Manning, by the way, I mean, he's already been bottom 10 in terms of average depth of throw each of the past two seasons. Uh, so, you know, he's he's already been pretty conservative. Now that you, you get rid of Beckham, you have no downfield threat. So I think you'll see a, a conservative passing game for sure. Now, I want to talk about Saquon Barkley, because last year I thought he was going to be, have a bigger role in the passing offense. And he, of course, was the recipient of a lot of checkdowns, probably a result of the, the protection breaking down in front of him and whatnot. But uh, you have him for this year for receiving targets. You have him 115, 88 receptions, 699 yards, only three touchdowns, um, and then in rushing terms, you have him for 1,359 yards on 300 attempts with nine rushing touchdowns. I, I mean, did did you see a, a big adjustment once uh, Beckham was out of the lineup as far as, you know, the production or the, or the potential of his production? Um, I, I think we saw him start out a little lighter in the carry department and then that kind of picked up, uh, down the stretch. So I actually have his rushing up from last season, although for running backs, I'm always going to project 15 games. I'm never going to go to 16 for anyone just because, and honestly, that might be aggressive because running back injuries are so prominent, but, um, I have his rushing, rushing usage going up to kind of that workhorse territory, about 80% of the design runs. And then his targets are about equal. Certainly his efficiency is about the same. Uh, from last season, you know, as for his usage down the stretch, I mean, he was still effective. Certainly um, you saw his receiving efficiency down a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I don't I don't think we need to overthink it with Barkley. Right. I mean, he's going to be one of the premier workhorse running backs in the NFL. I mean, if you're I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, I mean, fantasy is just collecting stats. Right. Raw stats, rushing yardage, touchdowns and receptions, receiving yards, that kind of thing. He's going to be number one. He's going to go off the board first in pretty much every draft. So that just tells you that the expectation across the, you know, the country and, and in terms of uh, those of us kind of, you know, projecting out and ranking these players, we all expect him to be a total workhorse and both sides of the ball. It's not just as a rusher. He's going to be out there. And, uh, you know, I have him at 88 catches. Obviously, I think he'll play a massive role uh, in both of those areas. You're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer's special guest, Mike Clay of ESPN. We're going to take a short break, come back and talk more about Mike Clay's projections for Giants statistics in 2019. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. You're with Patricia Traina and special guest Mike Clay of ESPN. And we're talking about Mike's Clay, Mike's uh, projections, statistical projections for the New York Giants in 2019. He does them for all 32 teams. You can find them on Twitter by just typing in the hashtag Clay projections. They're really good. And, and I find them very interesting. And Mike, just kind of, you know, continuing our conversation from the last segment, when the rookies come in, how do you kind of adjust the, um, the, the statistics accordingly, considering that, you know, some of these guys have played in different systems, you know, they've had different scenarios, different usage. I mean, how does that affect the overall picture? Yeah, and and sometimes people get mad at me, right? Because uh, let's say the Giants add a wide receiver in the first round, you know, I may not move their wide receiver rating significantly. And the reading the reason for that is 
you know, just first round picks alone, it's basically a 50-50 proposition that they're going to pan out, right? And even be solid players in the league. You know, only a few will be stars. Some will be solid and, and half of them are, are going to flame out within a couple of years in, in the NFL. So, uh, and, and by the way, even the ones that pan out may not be, be impact players as rookies. So you can't really move the needle too much in that department. Um, as for, you know, kind of projecting them out, there's, there's a few things I look at. I mean, obviously opportunity is the big one, right? Is, is it a situation where there's a clear opportunity to play a big role? Now, if a guy like DK, DK Metcalf uh, goes to a team like the Giants, you'd expect him to play a pretty huge role, right? Maybe not in three, maybe not in, in two wide sets to start the season since you have Team Shepard, but they don't have a clear presence on the perimeter. So you'd expect someone like that or a Hakeem Butler, someone like that to play a big role uh, pretty early on and the volume would be there. Um, and then, you know, looking more at efficiency, it's going to depend on the style of player, right? There's a big difference uh, between someone who's going to primarily line up in the slot and, and work underneath a, a smaller wide receiver or a player, you know, like a Metcalf who might have a, a lower catch rate, but is going to be used more downfield and, and on the perimeter. So, you, you know, you could look at things like projecting out average depth of target and what that means for his potential yards per completion, his catch rate, yards per attempt, that kind of thing. So all of that's considered, uh, you know, you're looking at role and you're looking at, at uh, certainly projected usage. Now, as this as the season gets underway, obviously injuries come into a, uh, into play, um, different variables come into play. Do you adjust these at all, you know, as the season go on? Or, or do you just say at the start of the season, this is what I'm projecting and this is what we're going to run with? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, adjustments are made constantly. I do the projections at ESPN within the fantasy game. So I'm projecting, uh, obviously, the offensive guys, but I'm doing defensive players. I'm doing punters, kickers, head coaches. I mean, we, any anything that uh, you can use in the fantasy game is projected by me on a weekly basis in season. So uh, I'll keep uh, adjusting those. I'll post box score projections for some big games throughout the season and, and the playoffs. And uh, again, you'll be able to check out those weekly projections and a full list of league projections for the season uh, over at ESPN once we're, we're up and running here around the draft. And then also along that line, you know, we talk about the schedule, the opponents, the strength mm -hmm. of schedule and stuff like that. How much of a factor is that in making these projections? Yeah, that, that's definitely an influence. I, I do uh, use these to project the win total. So uh, for example, the Giants come in with the eighth easiest schedule in the NFL this season as of right now. Um, you know, I, I don't use last year's record. I could not care less about that. All, all that matters is the roster as they stand, as they stand today, teams get better, teams get worse. And, you know, think about teams that played against Cleveland last season, right? I mean, if you were treating them like an 0 16 team, you know, what are you doing? That was nonsense. They, they had to look, I know a lot of people that want to believe this, but they had the look of a 500 team, even at this point last season. So you have to make those adjustments and that's what I do for that kind of thing. And then on a, I mean, on a, on a player by player level, uh, you know, you're looking at full season projections. So you're not going to see a major influence from the schedule, but you know, certainly I factor that in, right. I'm looking at the opponent and, and for example, the giants are going to play Chicago or, you know, could play uh, Chicago at some point, like I kind of simulated the schedule for now. Uh, you know, we, we have the opponents, but not the order. So for example, I have them playing Chicago on the road week one, you know, that's obviously going to have a negative influence on their offensive, offensive statistics. Uh, but then, you know, later in the season, they'll play a, a worse defense, maybe Tampa Bay, for example. And then, uh, you know, you would expect the offensive stats to be a little bit better. That's going to have an influence. Yeah. As for the defensive players, if they play a lot of quarterbacks that don't get sacked often, you know, like a, an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, 
then their sack numbers might be down a little bit. But again, on a week-to-week basis, that's important over a full season. The schedule is not going to have a significant influence in those kind of categories. And, you know, you mentioned the schedule. I'm looking at what you have projected, and you've you've come up with a projected 5.2 wins for the Giants, which is, Mm -hmm. I think, similar to what you had them for last year. Yes, I did. I did. I uh, was not buying on the Giants last year. They had some star power last season, and they were there was a huge drop off in talent after that. And and I do do unit grades as well. I always post them with my projected win totals on Twitter. Uh, you know, I'll go position by position, kind of grade them out. It's a somewhat of a subjective process. I rely on uh, our friends over at Pro Football Focus to help out with that too. Um, but you know, I, it's, it's an important process, you know, to kind of evaluate each roster and then line them up next to each other, you know, cause a lot of teams are going to look pretty good and healthy and have a lot of young talent after the draft, but it, you're only as good as you are relative to the other 31 teams in the NFL. And last year, the giants didn't stack up too well. We saw that, you know, you have an injury here or there and, and you get crushed. Your, your, your depth has to step up and play. And if they're not very good, you're going to really struggle. So that was the case. And, and that's the case this season. I mean, last year they had star power and little depth. This year, they got rid of some of their star power, you know, quite a bit of it, and they didn't do a great job replacing it. You know, I like some of the offensive line upgrades. You have Barkley and Ingram on, on the offensive side of the ball. I think you at this point, you have uh, one of the, the lesser quarter starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Eli just really hasn't been effective for a couple of seasons. Then you have major, major holes, of course, on the defensive side of the ball especially at edge, off-ball linebacker, and corner. So, uh, yeah, I have them with a bottom five defense, and I have them with the 20th best offense. So you add that all together, I think they have, you know, roughly, certainly a bottom 10 roster, maybe perhaps a bottom five roster. I think it's going to be another rough season here for the Giants. Now, the based on what I remember from last year, prior to the draft, uh, running back obviously has taken a huge leap forward. I think that's the highest rank you have for them. Tight end is up there. Um, even offensive line has picked up, as as has the interior offense. I'm sorry, the interior defensive line. Um, and again, you mentioned quarterback being a problem, edge being a problem, off-ball linebacker being a problem. So with that said, and I know this isn't necessarily you know your main forte, but I know you also followed the draft. Are there players in particular that you think can maybe be good fits for the Giants at some of those positions? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about earlier wide receiver, I think, uh, bringing in someone like a, a app, right. Or, or, you know, a guy that can work downfield, uh, make some, make some plays for them and, and just add that presence to the offense. Maybe it's even, you know, someone like a, a Marquise Brown, you know, someone that could, that could make plays. So I, I think they, they have, uh, plenty of options there. There's, there's a, a tier of probably like 10 to 11 wide receivers that are, of high interest and, uh, you know, maybe even later too. I mean, you could look at a guy like a Miles Boykin, who I like a lot at a Notre Dame. I mean, you, you have options there at that position. So I think they'll, um, address that for sure. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how the, the cornerbacks fall. You know, I'd like to see them add someone to go along with Janoris Jenkins. I'm not sure how long he'll be around, uh, for the giants, but they, I think they definitely need to address that, whether it's a Byron Murphy, a Greedy Williams, Deandre Baker, someone like that. Um, but you know, again, they have so many holes, it's tough to kind of pinpoint the exact players. Cause you know, it's kind of best, it's kind of like best available when you're on the board, right. You know, do you, you know, is, is Devin white a guy you'll look at, you know, if you, maybe if you trade down a few spots there early in the first round, Devin Bush, I mean, th- there's a, there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball. I think most would agree it's, it's heavy on the defensive side of the ball. I like what they've done on the O line. Like you said, the interior defensive line, I don't think you have to address those spots 
right now. But uh, you know, they have them two first round picks. I don't know if they'll trade down or stay put, but yeah, they they really need to. Uh, I, you know, we have that argument always like, do you fill a need or take the best available? Well, for the Giants, they're probably going to be able to take the best available with few exceptions, just because they have holes at so many positions. Yeah, they do. And, and by the way, at cornerback, my guess is Sam Beal is going to start opposite of uh, Janoris Jenkins. He's the guy who they took right. in the supplemental draft last year. And unfortunately, he landed on IR after, I think, one practice. So, uh, but I think he's the guy. They they actually, I think Gettleman said at the Combine that this year they would have given him a second round grade had he been coming out in the draft. And of course, they got him in the third round last year in the supplemental draft. But uh, so just, you know, something to keep an eye on there. So, um, I just want to explore a little bit more with you, if I could, the relationship between the projections you have for the quarterbacks versus the offensive line talent. Now, if theoretically the offensive line talent has improved and you're projecting lower stats and stuff like that, uh, sacks rather, um, I would think that you would also maybe be predicting, you know, less quarterback hits and all the, you know, the pressures and all that stuff. So I'm just kind of curious why Eli Manning's stats kind of dipped a little bit there, because, you know, if the line is better, wouldn't theoretically that translate to him performing better? Uh, it, it certainly could, but you also don't have uh, Odell Beckham, too. So it's hard to imagine this offense being, you know, above average in scoring. That's really what it comes down to. So if I'm if I'm projecting out touchdowns per game for this this offense I'm it's not going to be so hot you know right around two touchdowns per game for them which would put them a little bit below the 2.4 average is probably just outside the top 20 uh maybe maybe close to like 24 25 uh by the by the NFL standard so um you know the, that's that I mean in terms of efficiency I have his yards per attempt dropping a little bit to 7.2 it was at 7.5 last year but you know he had been at 6.9, 7.3, 7.2, 6.7, 6.1 the previous five, six seasons. So uh, I don't think that's particularly bold. And I have his, his completion rate the same, 66%, which again, you're losing a one of the best receivers in the NFL in Beckham, but you're probably going to be continuing to throw the ball in the short area. So uh, 66%, I mean, that was his highest, that was the highest we've seen from him since in his career, I believe. I think that was a career high 66%, certainly the most we've seen since at least back to 2007. Uh, and I have been matching that. So, um, again, and um, his interception rate, I have about the same, too. You know, he's cut he cut down on them a little bit by going more conservative the last two years. And I think that'll be this, the case again. So uh, avoiding turnover should be something he does well. So, again, I, I don't think it's it's too far off. Right. I, I'm off by one touchdown from last year. I have his I have his uh, passing yardage down, but I also have him dropping back to pass 33 fewer times. And, and again, I think they're going to try to lean more on the running game this season. You're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Mike Clay of ESPN. We're going over his Clay projections for the New York Giants. We're going to take our final break, come back, wrap up with a few more thoughts from Mike. So stay with us. Hey, Giant fans, if you've been enjoying the Locked on Giants podcast's coverage leading up to the NFL draft, then I think you're really going to enjoy Inside Football. Inside Football is a newsletter written and published by yours truly. It's the longest-running, independently-credentialed publication devoting cover-to-cover coverage of your New York football giants. A 26-issue subscription is available via email and offers monthly coverage during the off-season and weekly coverage starting with training camp through the end of the regular season, with playoff coverage included as needed. This month, 
we're making a special offer available to the Locked On Giants podcast family. We're offering a three-issue trial, starting with our April Draft Preview, which offers a targeted look at prospects that might be a good value and fit for Big Blue. This trial also includes a post-draft analysis and rookie minicamp report, which is published in May, and an OTA full-team minicamp report published in June. For more information, including a link on how to get a free sample issue from last year's coverage, please visit www.insidefootball.com slash locked on. Inside Football, for the best informed Giant fan. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here, and I'm joined by Mike Clay. He is a fantasy football analyst and an NFL writer for ESPN, really does a terrific job. His projections, which you can find on Twitter if you type in the hashtag Clay projections, are very interesting. He does them for all 32 teams, and we're going over some of what he has for the Giants. You know, we've talked about some of the offensive stuff, looked a little bit at the scheduling and Mike I want to just kind of look now at the defense because we've we've touched a little bit upon it but I want to kind of dive in a little deeper here uh, from the excuse me on the defensive side of the ball so as we were talking about in the last segment you know you you have the edge rusher and the off-ball linebackers as being one of the the uh, problem areas if you will on this team I'm just you know the Giants added a lot of former Cardinals from James Betcher's tenure down there, you know, and James Betcher, of course, when he was with the Cardinals, he had a top 10 defense, I think in every year he he was the defensive coordinator. So I'm just kind of, you know, wondering what your, your thoughts are about the additions of Marcus Golden, you know, an edge rusher. He added Olsen Pierre, an interior lineman. Um, he's got, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bethay at, at the mm-hmm. uh, defensive back spot. I mean, so it's kind of like the way I see it. It's kind of like, you know, when you have a new restaurant, a branch of a restaurant opens up and they ha- they bring in people from corporate to kind of train the local guys, to you know, to get them up to speed. That's kind of how I see it. But what can, can you know, do you sense the Betchers just trying to like, I guess, recapture that magic with Arizona? I mean, what exactly do you see him trying to accomplish there? Yeah, I think it's players he's familiar with and know his, his scheme. I mean, it makes some sense, but he's not, you know, he's bringing in some of the role players, right? You know, not bringing in Buda Baker or Pat Peterson or Chandler Jones. You know, it's not the, the stars of that uh, defense from a few years ago. Um, but these are, are people that can, can kind of hold down the fort. I mean, Bethay at this point is going on 35 years old. He's a, he's a solid safety, but he's not going to move the needle a ton. And, you know, Marcus Golden, I mean, he's fine in a rotation, but I mean, this is a guy that had, you know, two and a half sacks last year on, you know, around 350 50, uh, snaps. And I know he missed some time, but, you know, this is a, a solid veteran player. He's okay. He's, uh, you know, a starters go probably replacement level. Um, but the problem really with Golden isn't a knock on him. It's just that he's their their best edge rusher as of right now. I mean, Kareem Martin, Lorenzo Carter, Avery Moss. I mean, they, they just don't have standouts there. And I'm not saying there's no hope. They're all bad. I mean, Carter, obviously, third rounder last year take a step forward it's possible but again the best thing you could do in this sort of exercise is to compare this group to the rest of the nfl and i'm you know it's one of the worst in the in the league right now they really have to find a way uh, to address that so uh again i think they'll try to keep golden involved and carter and a little bit of, of uh, martin for sure 
who played quite a bit last season, but they need to get an impact player added to that group. For sure. And I think they will go defense in that first round at number six. I would be very shocked if they don't take a defensive player there. I know everybody wants to see a quarterback, but, uh, you know, not not necessarily going to be the way it goes, I think, in that first round. Uh, Mike, based on your projections, who are some of the players on offense and defense that you think are going to really be uh, they're going to have their breakout season, statistically speaking? Um, yeah, I think, you know, we talked about the interior defensive line, right? So I'm not sure if you call the, these guys breakouts, but, you know, B.J. Hill and Dalvin Tom, Tomlinson form one of the best young duos in, on, in, on an interior defensive line. So um, I would definitely be keeping an eye on that group as of right now. Um, obviously, Hill is a, an early round pick who played a big role as a rookie, but maybe he steps up his game and becomes, uh, you know, more of a, a star player this season. So I'd keep an eye um, on him. You know, you mentioned Sam Beal, a corner. We'll see if he earns that starting job. Obviously, he's a guy we're going to keep an eye on. And how about Jabril, Jabril Peppers, right? Really struggled in, a, in an odd role as a rookie last year. Shared strong safety duties with Derek Kindred out there in Cleveland. Pre- played much better football. Uh, you know, now he's kind of in a position where maybe he's an every-down player, right? So if that's the case, he's in his third year. He came in young. He's only 23. Perhaps he becomes a, a star player. Maybe he takes on that uh, Landon Collins role and becomes a, a really – high-end player in in the league. So um, I'll be keeping an eye on them for sure. Offensively, I, you know, I, I don't know if I have anybody for you. You know, maybe maybe it's the rookie quarterback they bring in uh, in the second half of the season. Barkley's already a star. You know, perhaps Sterling Shepard takes another step forward. You know, they tried to use him on the perimeter more last season. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that it really worked too well. I think he's, he's best uh, as a short area target, as, as a slot target. So we'll see how that shakes out. You know, Golden Tate's already a polished player in the NFL. Evan Ingram, maybe maybe Ingram's the guy that, that takes the big leap forward. I mean, again, when he's been healthy and out there and a big part of the offense, he has made an impact. And I do have him posting uh, a, a much better, obviously, missed time last. I have him over 70 catches, over 800 yards. So He's a guy I'll be keeping uh, an eye on for sure. But otherwise, you know, I guess we'll have to see once they, they get some youth in here via the draft to see who can kind of make that leap on the offensive side of the ball. All right. And then, you know, you mentioned Jabril Peppers. You know, a lot of people obviously were, weren't happy to see Landon Collins walk away. But do, in your estimation, does Jabril Peppers, you know, play an identical game as Landon Collins? Or does he ha- bring something else to the table that maybe the Giants didn't have with Landon? Um, I, I think he could potentially be more versatile, but he, but he is a box safety, right? I mean, we saw Greg Williams that first year took a lot of criticism for playing him at free safety, which wasn't a fit and he really struggled. And, uh, you know, Williams was just trying to get him to, or at least his explanation is he just wanted him to get a better feel for, uh, you know, understanding the opposing offense, you know, just seeing the field from that position to making plays. And again, it wasn't a fit. So last year they moved to Marius Randall to free safety and allowed, peppers to play in the box uh, certainly in running situations and it worked out so i you know i don't think you're going to see him uh making a big impact as a as a cover corner you know i don't I, I think he can be effective in that area perhaps better uh but again i think more, a lot of his damage is going to come again in the box against the run so uh you know and and honestly uh, Bethay played in the box quite a bit last year too for arizona so we'll see how that sort of shakes out but um you know peppers I think could still be a star. You know, I, I don't think you could say, you know, two years in this guy's a bust or this guy's just an average player. 
he definitely can be can be a star in this league. And we saw him play at a high level last year. He was probably better than expected in coverage and and uh, certainly played the run well. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. That could end up being a, a nice little uh, acquisition that, that the Giants snuck in there. I don't know that it was worth giving up Beckham. I would say that the Browns got the better of that deal easily. But, um, you know, Peppers could be a nice little addition. And then also we know that, you know, if they lose Saquon Barkley to injury, that's going to be huge. But is there any other player currently on the roster that if they end up losing, you know, due to injury, that you could might as well, you might as well say the season's over? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not optimistic the way it is. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think. You know, I, I look at maybe Janoris Jenkins at corner, you know, I, you know, I don't know what his reputation is, I suppose, in the New York area, but he's still a solid corner. He's in his 30s now. I mean, you, you already have a pretty weak cornerback group. If he goes down, that hurts for sure. Um, you know, offensively, again, this might be controversial too, but, you know, if, if Eli goes down, you know, you're going to Kyle Aletta at this point. We'll see, we'll see who they have in there. I mean, that's going to that's gonna drop your win probability. Say what you want about Eli. He might be a he might be a below average starting quarterback, but he's still much better than pretty much every backup in the NFL at this point. Uh, and then Nate Solder, I, I guess a left tackle would be pretty significant. Again, I know he disappointed in his first year with the Giants, but he's still a solid left tackle. I mean, come on, again, look across the league, look at the other left tackles. He's still a pretty solid player, and, and this offensive line is actually in pretty pretty good shape, especially after bringing Kevin Zeitler, who's another one that's one of the most valuable players on this team. You know, granted, he's had a devalued position there at guard, but they want to run the football a lot. So so he'll have some additional value. So, um, yeah, we'll see what they do with that offensive line. Right. I, I want to see them at a right tackle. If they do that, I think you're looking at a pretty, pretty solid offensive line. And, you know, if they still had Beckham, I, I might actually be a little bit optimistic about the sleeper appeal for this offense. But right now, it's just hard to get excited when you lose that that superstar player. You know, it's interesting, you, you know, you were talking about the offensive line and you mentioned Nate Solder. Nate Solder, he, he had a rookie next to him for the, you know, all last year. And obviously, you know, offensive linemen, they work together. So when you have a rookie next to you, it's kind of like you you tend to worry about that guy a little bit more than you would a veteran. So I just wonder, you know, how much of an effect that had on him, just as I'm kind of wondering if they put a rookie next to Zeitler, how much of an effect is that going to have on him? Because, you know, Solder, we saw as the season went on and Will Hernandez got uh, comfortable, he became, you know, Solder became a better player, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he still had a pretty good season. Um, if you look here, I'm just looking at uh, the pro football focus ratings. It, they're grades for, for Solder, and he's played over a 1,000 snaps each of the past two seasons. And his PFF rating was almost the same in, in 2018 as it was 17. I think, uh, you know, I think he was probably a little bit overvalued in free agency last year, which is often the case. You know, these guys get overpaid. Uh, and maybe expectations were too high, but he still had a, an above average season. I still think he's a, a fine player. And then again, you have Hernandez, Jalapio uh, uh, at, at center, um, Zeitler, obviously they bring in who's a star. You know, that, that's that's four decent players. I mean, certainly you have two two or three real impact players. Hernandez could potentially be better this season. Uh, again, the red flag just right now is at right tackle. Yeah, they definitely have to get themselves an upgrade at right tackle. I mean, right now, they're, I've been screaming about their depth at the offensive tackle position now for I can't tell you how long because yeah. they just, you know, for whatever reason, they try and fill it through the, you know, through undrafted free agents. And I'm like, hi, you got to you got to devote some uh, some resources to these guys, you know? Yeah, no no question about it. They They need to work on. 
you know, getting getting impact players in the starting lineup first, and then you can work on depth. But you're right. I mean, it's depth has been a, a problem for a long time. They just had so much invested in in the star players and didn't do en- uh, enough good work kind of filling out those voids in the lineup and, and, and obviously uh, on the bench as well. So I'm with you. They have a lot of work to do. It's going to take some time. We'll see if uh, Dave Gettleman can get it turned around. Right, So far, so bad, though, honestly. It's been really disappointing, the direction of this team relative to the rest of the league. So uh, they, they have to turn a corner here soon. Yeah, they're running out of time, and the pressure is definitely on. Mike, I w- want to thank you for coming on. Folks, you can follow him at Mike Clay NFL. And if you want to see his projections, all you have to do is type in the hashtag Clay Projections. And, Mike, do you have anything, you know, else coming up that you want people to know about maybe check out um yeah you just follow along on twitter and nespn.com uh, we'll have some content in uh the gambling section the fantasy section the nfl section i'll be on uh the daily wager on espn news 6 p.m eastern every night uh, around the the schedule release and and the draft you know throughout the year we'll be doing a lot of good nfl content that'll help you in in uh, you know just understanding the league better as well as uh gambling and, and fantasy so uh, it's going to be another fun year, and uh, can't wait to get rolling. And you'll have these updated, I guess, after the draft, right? Yes, I update the projections pretty much year round. Uh, for you know, I'm always dropping some sort of nuggets out there on Twitter. So yes, I'll do I'll do post draft updates. I'll do live projections for players uh, during the draft. The system's already set up. You know, I just plug the guys in, and and we go from there. So um, I'll be ready, and uh, well, yeah, we'll we'll keep the uh, updates going year round. All right. Sounds good. Mike, thanks so much for coming on. Giant fans, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week and we'll talk to you again soon.